You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. We've got a really interesting program this morning. We're going to be talking with our friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada about Google investing in the Toronto waterfront, the future city. We'll also be chatting about the Amazon headquarters search. A lot of cities in North America are pitching to have Amazon set up their next headquarters in their town. And some people here in Canada don't think it's a good thing for Canadian cities to be going after. And so we're going to find out why that uh, is. And uh, have you heard of crack? Uh, Not uh, the drug kind, but uh, the hack crack that uh, is affecting all the Wi-Fi routers out there. If you have a Wi-Fi router, it is imperative that you stay tuned for that segment because we're going to tell you how uh, hackers can get into your your system, whether you know it uh, or not. In studio right now, I've got uh, my good friend and uh, guest co-host, AJ Vickery. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Want to talk about some of the tech news that's uh, out there. Uh, Google, always in, in the news, they're investing a billion dollars into Lyft, the ride-sharing service that we will probably never see in Vancouver. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Many Canadian cities. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's big news. And it's interesting because Google had previously invested in the um, uh, the chief rival, Uber. Yeah, a few hundred million. So uh, what? why do you think they're uh, pouring so much money into these uh, ride-sharing services? Well, you know, I mean, my my gut reaction to that is just simply that there is, um, you know, this is the future. You know, these sharing economies have proven uh, time over time that they're, they're they're here to stay. They're change, They're disrupting the way things are normally done. And I think that there's just, you know, huge opportunity in the whole ride-share concept. Yeah, it's interesting. I know it's a big uh, controversy here in Vancouver because we are still one of the largest uh, cities in North America that does not have Uber or or Lyft because our government can't seem to get it together to to make that happen. Maybe sometime in the future. Um, but it, it is it is a huge change. It's disrupting obviously an industry that's been around for many years, the taxi industry. Uh, you know, can they even survive with this much money being invested into these ride-sharing services, AJ? And, and, and well, yeah, no, that is a good question. And I think that there may be specialty markets or different types of service offerings that perhaps are able to uh, compete. But I think the mainstream stuff is in big trouble. Like the number of uh, cab companies, a lot of those protections that are in place for them to operate are going to be challenged for sure. But um, I think this goes beyond just the the driver um, service. And I think it goes beyond uh, into the future of driverless cars, you know, because I think what's going to happen is, is that when this tech, when the driverless vehicles actually uh, are in the market and operating, you know, the idea behind having something like an Uber or a Lyft becomes pretty interesting for a 24-hour driving car that's operating on a service like this. So where, where the platform is in place for the ride share and the sharing and the payment process, but maybe you don't need to actually have someone operate the vehicle anymore. So that's that's my question. They call it ride sharing. It's part of the sharing economy. You know, like Airbnb, you're sharing your home. Um, I think the end game for like the companies like Uber and Lyft is to not be sharing, don't you? Like they're they're investing uh you know millions billions into these self-driving cars so that they don't have to pay drivers yeah yeah so yeah i see i get your point it's not sharing anymore it's just driving <laughs> yeah so you know it, it's interesting it's it, it is definitely going to put a lot of people out of work it's already uh, affecting the taxi uh, industry and now i know all these people are you know clamoring i want to be an uber driver because i can make this extra money it's a good thing but you know if you look at uber and lyft 
Google. Uh, the end game is to get rid of the humans. Yeah, and you know what? I think like we've seen time and time again, any uh, technology is is really based like the success of it is based on its usability, right? So, so the fact the reason why Uber works so well is because it's awesome. You know, yes. like it's it, it's not just like it's not difficult to use. I don't know if you've downloaded any of the sort of taxi apps uh, in the cities where they don't have these services, but they suck. Like, like and, and, <laughs> what, and why? Well, because they're just the usability of them. They're awkward. They're funky. Yeah. They don't they don't quite work. But can you actually see where the taxis are? Like in Uber, the app, you, you can, can actually see can, where but, your Uber is. But honestly, it's like it's like going back to like you know the Atari version of the <laughs> graphics. Do you know what I mean? And you know it doesn't just leave you with a lot of confidence that 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 cab is actually on its way. Uh, and I'm not saying that it doesn't work. I'm just saying that you know good technology will prevail. And I think that both Lyft and um, Uber are doing this now. So so. You know, once the drivers are gone and it is driverless, you'll have this prevailing technology that already works and everyone's used to. Let's uh, talk about some other news. Uh, we're hearing more and more about smart speakers. And, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, you're probably hearing this, you know, about the Google Home, the Amazon Echo with the Alexa voice assistant. And you're thinking, ah, big deal. But I'm telling you, in the next five years, everyone will have one of these in yep. their in their home. There's yep. no question. You will I, speak to your home. You will speak to your home. And your car. And your car, everything. Yeah. You know, we're already using them in our phones, Siri with the, uh, you know, Apple iPhones. Uh, on on the Android platform, uh, many of the phones have Google Assistant. Uh, uh, even Samsung has their own called Bixby. Uh, but you know, back to these speakers. You know, there's uh, one big player that, uh, in my opinion, a little late to the game, uh, Microsoft. But they're trying to really push their Cortana voice assistant, assistant and kind of licensing that technology off to speaker manuf- manufacturers like Harman Kardon. Well, for anyone out there who, you know, uses something, you know, um, uh, from Microsoft, like, um, you know, one of the Microsoft books or something, you might be familiar with Cortana. It's actually very powerful. It's like it's like an extremely powerful uh, component um, to your existing Microsoft experience. So so to pull that forward into um, one of the uh, smart speakers is 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 brilliant but it's late you know like is it like, too late do you think well i just i, I like just amazon don't... owns 75 percent of the smart speaker yeah. market in the u.s google google like they have google assistant and if you've used the google home it's amazing i i think it is you know i mean there's there's always the question of is it too late and and you know so so talking a little bit more about what microsoft is doing they've they partnered uh with coming out with a Harman card on uh, um it invokes speaker uh, this thing is you know, beautiful. The, the I think some of the things that make it superior to some of the um, other speakers that we see out there is the, the quality of the speaker itself is quite high end. Yeah, I wonder at a certain point, you know, will it even matter which intelligent speaker you have? Like I look at a lot of these connected home devices now, like, uh, you know, the Philips shoe bulbs and, and all that, yeah. and they're making themselves compatible with all the different standards. Totally. There's like an open platform of that whole smart home technology so that so that they, they, they all work. But then it just comes down to the question of, you know, which is the superior um, uh, technology in terms of interpreting what you're saying, you know, with different accents and different, you know, I mean, I know you use uh, Google Home at your home. Yes. And it, you're saying it works flawlessly. Flawlessly. Yeah. I'm always skeptical of voice activated <laughs> technology because you know we've seen this since the 90s aj like it just doesn't work but we're there now we really are you know the google home i have one in my kitchen and we have a sonos multi-room home speaker system and my wife doesn't even use it anymore because she'd rather just tell google home to play like a nora jones playlist yeah yeah so i'm just waiting to get a hold of the sonos new speaker that has an intelligent 
uh, assistant built into it so I can, you know, have her use the, the Sonos again. Yeah, no, it's a really good point because the, um, you know, again, coming back to Microsoft, getting into the game now, um, you know, with the sort of like higher end speaker, the price point on that speaker is now $200. And so that starts to become, you know, a question of like, if, I, if I'm going to invest in a, a decent speaker, you know, do I want that necessarily to be my smart speaker or do I want that to be something else like a Sonos? Let's talk about drones now and specifically food delivering drones. Google getting into it. Yeah, Google's all over the news here at this show. But uh, yeah, once again, Google's involved with their affiliate Project Wing and um, they're doing tests uh, in um, uh, Australia where they're actually working with two Australian businesses, a Mexican taqueria chain and a a drugstore company where they're actually uh, delivering the service that you order via drone. So literally um, to your address, if you order a taco, uh, you could expect a drone to drop that off. Would you want a taco or a burrito dropped to you from a drone? <laughs> well, can I tell you why I think they're starting in Australia? <laughs> no, uh, but seriously. So they, they lose a few Australians. Yeah, well, it's, not, it's not the first time Project Wing has, has experimented with this. But, um, they actually did something at Virginia Tech University, but they did it in an open field. And so even though uh, this, this next test is actually being delivered specifically to homes um, in rural areas, I do believe that they're, they're doing, they've chosen Australia because it's, potentially a little bit more space and probably a lot less, uh, you know, challenges with regard to, you know, flying drones. I, and I can only see that working in rural areas, can't you? Like, how, how would that work in a city? That that would just be... Have you seen chaos. Blade Runner? I've seen... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a few way, uh, years away uh, from that. But... I know, but that's the whole point, you know? I mean, you know, this is, this is pioneering technology and sort of looking to the future and you know, starting to put some pieces in place. I don't think that you're going to be ordering, seeing your, you know, Amazon orders being delivered on your doorstep anytime soon via drones. Um, but, uh, but you know, they're they're going to work uh, work on it. Well, the future's so bright. <laughs> Hopefully you don't get a burrito dropped on I'm your, actually kind of uh, hungry now. <laughs> I am. No, I, I am too. Uh, we're going to have to take a break, but I want you to stay tuned. If you have a Wi-Fi router and who doesn't in their home or business, you have to listen to the next segment. There's a new vulnerability called Crack that is affecting pretty well every router out there. Uh, hackers can potentially and easily get into your router and start snooping around your home network. We'll tell you what it is and what you need to do to protect yourself. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got my good friend Graham Williams, uh, one of the techier guys I know. I wanted you to come on the show, Graham, because I want to talk about crack. Not the crack cocaine, but crack, the uh, new vulnerability that's affecting uh, all the Wi-Fi routers out there. And I mean all of them. So what is it? Let's let's explain this to listeners so uh, they can understand the problem we're facing. So this is a vulnerability in WPA2, so Wi-Fi Protected Access 2. And this is the security that if you are an average human being, you are using on your phone, your tablet, your computer, and your router. And so this is the thing that keeps you safe and secure from everybody else that's trying to hack into your network. At least it did until last week. Um, This was a proof of concept vulnerability that was put into the system back in May of 2017. And the guys who were looking at it were looking at a number of different vulnerabilities. And they found that by using a number of them in concert together, they could break WPA2 on any platform on the market. This is incredibly serious for the consumer. And this is every router out there. This is every router, every phone, every tablet, every computer. If you use WPA2, you are hacked. Mac OS, you're hacked. 
Windows, you're hacked. iOS, you're hacked. Android, specifically Android 6, you are hacked. Okay, listening to your voice, how concerned should we be about this? Uh, I think we should be concerned, but it's sort of like an orange level concern as opposed to a red level concern. So this is the type of thing where if you are on, uh, say, Android 6, this is a very serious thing. So if you've got an older Android phone, the attack here, basically what it does is it intercepts the communication between uh, your phone and your router and can reset the security key. So the encryption key that you've set between these two devices, it can reset it. And in the case of most devices, it resets it to something. doesn't specific. matter about your password or anything. No. And in the case of Android 6, it resets it to all zeros. So this is a very serious thing. It basically can sniff the traffic and it can see the pictures that you send. It can see the messages that you can send. It can see the emails that you send. And unless you are on HTTPS, so like banking information, it will see the traffic that you send. And it can even see that HTTPS traffic. So it could decrypt that eventually, which means that your banking information could be at risk. Like I said, capital S, serious. So, (laughs) you know... Everyone has security turn, turned on nowadays with their Wi-Fi routers. They're Hopefully. most likely using WPA2, uh, whether they know it or not. Uh, what can we do? The best thing that you can do at this point is uh, look for software updates or firmware updates. So if you've got a, a reputable brand in your router like a, like a Netgear uh, or an Apple or a TP-Link, uh, you'll be able to uh, see the updates as they're available and download those updates for your router. Um, but who, okay, I, I just got to be honest. Most normal humans don't go into their router settings to see if there's a new update. And this is where we kind of need you to be less than normal and do that. I mean, I know with Apple's Airport Express, you'll receive a notification that there is uh, an update. And I know Netgear can do that as well. They'll send you a, either a text message. Or if people email. have set that up. If you set that up. And this is where, again, you're responsible for your own security. So you've got to do that. Um, with uh, Apple, I know that uh, iOS 11.1 and uh, TVOS 11 and 11.1 and watchOS 4.1, those all have updates built into them. So they're in beta test right now and they should be coming out in the next few weeks. So that's the thing though, uh, Graham, like it's not only the router, it's your devices you have yes. to update. Yeah. You're, and so Windows computers are actually protected against most of the attacks that work with this. Uh, so Windows 10 is protected against most of them, but it's still vulnerable to some. And I know that the fall update will actually be addressing this. And uh, Apple has said with their new Mac OS update for High Sierra, that will address that as well. Um, the big one, though, like I said, is Android 6 and 7. Uh, 6, like I said, particularly is vulnerable. And the problem here is that Android systems typically only get 18 months of updates. Android 6 came out over 24 months ago, which means that some Android phones are not eligible for an update. So unless the manufacturer pushes an update, these things won't be fixed. So if you've got an older Android phone, you may not actually be eligible for an update right now, which is a little bit scary. It it is. Let's talk routers now. And I know people, they maybe know what their router is. Like usually the internet service provider comes in and sets it up. But, you know, what about all these folks out there that have like the uh, the two-in-one modem slash router that they got from Telus, Shaw, Rogers, or Bell? As much as I love Telus and Shaw and Rogers and Bell, I have never recommended using a built-in two-in-one modem router system. I know that uh, those providers out there will probably be very angry at me for saying so, but I think a third-party router where you have control of the firmware, you can actually get in touch with the manufacturer. The manufacturer is motivated to make these security updates. That's a much better solution for you. So when you are looking at folks uh, like Apple, like Netgear, like TP-Link. Or D-Link even. Or D-Link. You know, these are companies that have your best interest at heart because they want you to buy their products again in the future. 
Whereas, but with, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't a Sean tell us though? Like, obviously, this is serious. Wouldn't they update them? You'd hope quickly? so. But again, these are companies where uh, you know there's an again no disrespect to the companies that are making these two-in-one routers. Um, I've not seen the same sort of frequency in, in updates, so they can be a little bit slower with these things, which can definitely be to the detriment of the end user at home. So if you do have a router out there for the listeners, super important, uh, find your instructions. You probably don't have them, but that's okay. You can go online uh, and type in, you know, the uh, the make and, and model of your router, and there'll be instructions on how to get into the actual settings page where you can find the updates. And that's, you have to do it. I'm just saying, if you've got a router, uh, whether it's for your business uh, or your home, you have to check on a regular basis uh, for the next little while to see, you know, if there is an update for it so that it can patch this, uh, this big problem. And it is a big problem because it affects everything out there, every device and every router. On that note, <laughs> wasn't very, very happy segment. I, I want to thank you, Graham. My pleasure. Uh, we are going to have to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Amazon headquarter race for all the North American cities, Google getting involved in making cities, and uh, a new Facebook newsfeed feature that is coming you, your way, whether you like it or not. Back after this. Welcome back to Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. We've been reading a lot about Amazon looking for a new headquarters here in uh, North America. A lot of cities uh, are pitching for it, including a lot of Canadian cities. Uh, on the line, though, uh, we have uh, kind of a, a different perspective. Uh, we've got uh, Samir Chabra. He's uh, written a, a really interesting article over on Mobile Syrup, a great uh, website for you to check out, uh, about uh, some Canadians that think it might not be a great idea. Thanks for joining us, Samir. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So uh, just quickly uh, for our listeners, uh, let's just talk about Amazon. Uh, they need to have a new headquarters. And what does that entail? Right. So what happened is uh, a few months ago, and actually not even a few months ago, Literally about a month ago in September, Amazon announced that they were looking for a city to host their second headquarters. They said that this second headquarters is going to be to scale with their current headquarters in Seattle. Uh, the city needs to be a uh, you know, cultural metropolitan uh, space. It needs to be able to support all of the guests that Amazon typically hosts. It needs to be able to support approximately 40,000 employees and their families. And, of course, a little cherry on top. Amazon would be bringing something like $38, $40 billion U.S. to whichever city um, would be hosting them. What's interesting, though, and I think what uh, a few people have expressed some apprehension about, is the manner in which Amazon reached out and let, the, let, let North America know that they're interested in finding a new city. Typically, you know, the company reaches out to a city and says, hey, would it be all right if we open up here? And the city says yes or no. But the way Amazon did it was to say, listen, we're Amazon, you know who we are, we want to learn about who you are, and we want you guys to pitch us your city. And then we'll select and shortlist and select a place uh, based on what we think works for us. This sounds like a giant cage match to me, Samir. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a little hyperbolic, but sort of. And I think what we've seen, um, and what we saw yesterday anyway, certainly from some cities in, uh, in Canada, Calgary is one of them, is that a lot of these cities took it as a challenge to sort of try to outdo one another. It's interesting. But, uh, you know, there's some uh, some 
tech entrepreneurs out there that think that this might not be a great idea, including uh, Tony Lacavera, who uh, is uh, the founder of Global Live and, and also uh, Win Mobile, which is now Freedom Mobile, and Bruce Croxon, uh, which many people might know from the Dragon's Den. They have different thoughts. They do. So here's sort of the, the gist of uh, Tony's perspective, and we'll get to Bruce in a little bit as well. Tony thinks that this is a matter of a brain drain issue. He's a little concerned about this full-throated enthusiasm that certain cities in Canada, uh, Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and even Halifax have been expressing for Amazon. He's worried about bringing this kind of large American, but also this global multinational corporation in a Canadian city and potentially losing all of the Canadian talent to Amazon. Sort of to think of it uh, in terms of Vancouver, for instance. So, you know, UBC is a fantastic school. They've, they've definitely got a you know, world-class computer science program and definitely one of the best uh, computer science programs in the country. Imagine if Amazon opened up in Vancouver and all of a sudden all of these UBC entrepreneurs, all of these UBC software developers, web designers, software engineers, instead of starting their own Canadian companies, simply decided, you know what? There is this incredible company in, in our city. It's called Amazon. They're great. They pay really well. I want to join them. All of a sudden, Amazon gets all of this great Canadian talent. And for Tony, the issue is that Canada loses a lot of that homegrown talent. So essentially, they're getting sucked into the Amazon vortex. Instead of coming up with some unique Canadian businesses, they're part of a, a large American conglomerate. Precisely so, yes. Interesting. But, you know, there, there's... There's no question, like, any city would be happy to get 40,000 well-paying jobs. Absolutely. And it's not even just the 40,000 well-paying jobs. It's also this potential $38 billion to $40 billion U.S. that Amazon brought up. And it's the entire cottage industry that would uh, that would around Amazon. Because, of course, Amazon uh, isn't just an e-commerce site. They, they also... Uh, fund uh, public transit. They also enable local businesses, uh, restaurants, boutiques to f- uh, flourish and thrive. And of course, there's also a housing market issue that, that has popped up in Seattle, and that's a secondary concern. But the thing is, uh, you know, it's not bad having Amazon second headquarters uh, in Vancouver, Toronto, really any city anywhere would be incredibly prosperous uh, for this environment. The issue, of course, is that you potentially resolve talent. Well, it's interesting. I'm just wondering, you know, that thinking that it's a bad thing is maybe a little short-sighted. Yeah, I, I can imagine a lot of uh, Canadians would think, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to go work for Amazon. But, you know, in the longer run, wouldn't that attract more tech businesses to that particular city because of all the talent that would be there? Well, this is sort of the thing that uh, we'll have to pay attention to, and it's something that we're going to have to take into consideration as Amazon starts to shortlist cities, and of course, when eventually Amazon takes its new host. Um, Right now, there's a lot of speculation. Right now, there's a lot of extrapolation based on how well Seattle thrived based on Amazon. And of course, there's quite a bit of extrapolation based on how uh, California and Silicon Valley have thrived as a result of these tech giants, uh, you know, Google, Microsoft, and so forth. Actually, sorry, scratch that Microsoft, uh, that's Redmond, that's in Washington. Um, yeah, you know, really, it's a guessing game, and it's anyone who guess how this can turn out. It can potentially be a very positive thing, uh, or it could potentially be a negative thing. 
Interesting thoughts. I, I really encourage anyone listening right now uh, to go to Mobile Syrup today if you get a chance to read uh, Samir's uh, article. Uh, some interesting thoughts and opinions there. Thank you so much for joining us, Samir. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It was fantastic speaking with you as well. Thank you for having me. That was Samir Chabra over at Mobile Syrup, a fantastic website for all your uh, mobile and tech news. Let's switch gears and talk about Facebook now. I've got Christina Stoyanova in studio, our uh, resident Facebook expert. A new change is coming to the uh, the newsfeed, and I know how much everyone loves when Facebook changes something. Yes, everyone, in fact, takes to Facebook to complain about the changes. <laughs> Ironically, so what are we what are we seeing? Uh, so Facebook has uh, been testing this for a while. It's called the Explore feed. They've been testing it on mobile only. Uh, So basically, this feed will show you things that Facebook thinks you might be interested in based on the pages that you already like um, and the types of things that your friends are looking at and what's trending in your geographical area. Interesting. So like right now, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I've got my friends who are posting and that comes up on my newsfeed. I also follow things like CKW, Global. uh, So that comes up as well. But now, uh, it's going to try to, I guess, guess my interests and give me other stuff? That's correct. So that you can broaden your horizons and maybe find other things that you might be interested in looking at on Facebook, other pages you want to follow, things like that. Like fake news? Um. Well, yes, I'm sure there will be a healthy <laughs> dose of that because it's rampant on social media. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting what Facebook has, you know, kind of really turned into over the past uh, few years, you know, in the beginning, it was a way to really keep in touch with friends and family and see what they were up to. But it's really becoming like a um, like a daily news source uh, with all the news articles and, and videos. Yeah, it's becoming a daily news source, but it also, I think, uh, is a powerful tool in the community as well. Um, I mean, I think for me, I see a lot of things in my feed that let me know what's going on around me in Vancouver based on what other people that I follow are reading and things like that. What do you think of this? Is this uh, Facebook just getting their hooks in a little deeper now? Is it a good thing? You know, I think it is a good thing because Facebook's algorithm uh, tends to exclude a lot of things um, based on what it it thinks is most important and its popularity. So uh, the algorithm, you know, shows you things that are popular, but maybe you're interested in some things that aren't as popular. Um, And I think it is a good thing in that uh, you're going to get a little bit more of a mixed bag of content instead of, you know, looking at the same types of posts all the time. That being said, of course, Facebook's main goal here is to keep you in the app longer so that you will consume more of their ads, although they are saying that this Explore feed is not going to have ads in it. There's a lot of ads in Facebook now, like like too many. There are a lot of ads. Folks at Facebook, of course, are going to try and keep you in the app so that you can be consuming all of those ads as much as humanly possible. Thank you, Facebook. When we come back from the break, the future city in Toronto with a little Google help. Stay tuned and find out more. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. Lots more tech to talk in studio. Uh, a treat. I've got my friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada, who has traveled all the way from Toronto to be with us in Vancouver. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's really nice to be here in Vancouver. Yeah, what, what brings you to town? 
Well, we're hosting our Canadian CIO Summit event. We had the main thing back uh, earlier in September out in Quebec, and now we're hosting the companion event here on the West Coast. So for the listeners out there, CIO, those are the uh, the main guys at big companies, chief information officer, right? Right. Think of it as the main technology decision maker at your business. What's the what's the difference between him and like or him or her or uh, a CTO, a chief technical technology officer? Yeah, well, Same it kind of actually thing? depends on the organization. I find Mike often those titles can be interchangeable. Often CTOs are a bit more technical focused, CIO maybe a bit more strategically focused. Cool. Uh, let's talk about an interesting uh, announcement uh, this week. Uh, Google is getting involved with, uh, I guess, the city of the future, and it's happening in Toronto. That's right. We're, you know, everyone's chasing this Amazon headquarters right now, but Google just came up out of the blue and said, hey, we're going to partner with Toronto and build this multi-million dollar sort of city of the future on its eastern, uh, the eastern side of the city there, Keyside. And is this the area right on the water, on the lake? Yeah, so if you think of Toronto, it's got the lakefront on the southern end of the city, right? And this will be in a section of land that sort of juts out into the lake on the east. So the lake would be sort of to the west and south of this piece of land. We call it the Portlands. And so what exactly is going to happen? How are how are they getting involved? Right, so this organization, Waterfront Toronto, has been a nonprofit group that's coordinated with all three levels of government, Right municipal, federal, provincial, and they've been working for years to try and think of a good way to develop the waterfront in Toronto. Frankly, it's pretty underutilized space. Like, it's not uh, uncommon for me to talk to people in Toronto and you have a conversation like, oh yeah, I was uh, canoeing down on the waterfront on Lake Ontario this weekend. And people will say, you know, I never even get to the lake. I never, I forget that it's there, but it's this great feature of our city. So this organization is looking to change that. We're going to change uh, the lake into this great place where people are living and working and who knows what. So they're going to bring their Googleness. Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Google is, I mean, there's so many different yeah, things. They're, uh, they're going to make a big search uh, server farm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole vision for how Google thinks that they can approach urban communities, right? So it's not actually Google, the, the company that runs the search engine. It's their sister company, Sidewalk Labs. This is another subdivision or like, um, you know, company that is under the Alphabet group now. So it's a different urban-focused company. It's not the the same comp- company that's running the search engine, but obviously it's connected, right? So uh, we're, we haven't seen too much from them yet, but this is going to be one of their first projects, and it might sort of define what the company does as a developer. So they haven't really given specifics as far as the technology uh, that they're going to infuse into this. Right. I mean, I know a bit about what technology will be there from an infrastructure point of view, because Waterfront Toronto has already put in place some contracts, some agreements as to having like broadband wired internet there. There will be like a gigabit, uh, one gigabit fiber network at the base of this community. Uh, But beyond that, we really don't know what technology or digital layer is going to be involved, but we do know that some digital layer, and I I imagine that'll be a lot of Internet of Things sort of technology, like sensors that are collecting data about people traveling around the community, uh, different transit features of the community, and things like this, you know, some sort of data layer. 
And and when is this all going to start happening? Well, it's going to be some time. I mean, we don't have a solid timeline yet. All that we know after this big announcement where we saw the Prime Minister and other politicians um, announcing this, uh, there's going to be a public consultation period. So, of course, anytime you're a major developer coming into a big city and uh, changing the landscape, you want to make sure that uh, people are happy with it and that you involve the community. And Google is doing that, or Sidewalk Labs is doing that. And uh, there's going to be a, this public consultation process that begins sometime next year. Interesting times we live in. Uh, Google's into phones, cars, and uh, now cities. Right. And some of the building designs that uh, they're talking about are pretty interesting to me. I was looking at their sketches, and they have these sort of modular buildings where they'll have a very hard, you know, rigid um, skeleton. So it's a, a solid building, but the interior will be more modular, like uh, easy to remove walls and ceilings. So you could convert a space from commercial to residential to a big greenhouse uh, and do it more quickly than you would normally be able to do with like a traditional building. Brian, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, people can find out more information about you where? We're on itworldcanada.com. Very cool. A fantastic website for all your uh, tech news and needs. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned here on Get Connected. You're back with Get Connected. It's that time, App of the Week with Christina. What do you got? I have an app to help you keep track of all of those subscriptions that are hitting your credit card without you knowing. Oh my God, this is amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting nickeled and dimed to death with all the subscriptions. Remember in the old days, you just, you had your cable bill. That's right. And that was it. it and your everything. phone bill. Don't and your forget. Phone, yeah, and your phone bill. Yeah. But now, you know, you got Netflix, uh, you've got Spotify. There's like a million different little subscription things and they add up. They add up really fast. For me especially, I subscribe to Adobe's Creative Cloud um, because I do a bit of photography. And so that hits the Visa Office 365 from Microsoft. Yeah. Yep, there you go. It's up there. So, sorry, what's this app called again? This app is called Bobby. Bobby. Yes. Like the name Bobby. Okay. And so, how does it work? So, it lets you input all of your subscriptions and their billing cycles so that you know when they're going to hit your credit card. And it can actually notify you about them as well. I love it. I'm, I am so getting that app. Yeah, what uh, platforms? Uh, iOS only. Oh, okay. Hopefully, they, they, hopefully they come out with Android uh, soon. Uh, looks like we're out of time. I want to remind our listeners, we have a fantastic show on Sundays called The App Show. If you've got a smartphone, a tablet, a smart TV, you have to tune in. We're talking about all the latest and greatest apps every single weekend, the best, the worst, the ones that you got to have. Uh, it's, it's an amazing program. My uh, co-hosts, Christina and Graham, uh, helped me out with that, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So again, the app show Sundays on CKNW here, it's 10 a.m., kind of like 10 a.m. Uh, get connected on Saturdays. Uh, and, uh, you know, check with your station uh, as well if uh, uh, you don't know the time. This is Mike and Christina and AJ and Graham logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time.